0: Hello, and welcome to episode 527 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And yes, it is officially the offseason, the 2023 NFL season is over. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions. Evan, how was your Super Bowl? How's it going? Well, it would have been better if the Eagles would have won. Um, But, you
1: know, I, I really enjoyed the vast majority of the game. The refs played a really big role late in the game, which is very frustrating. You know, we don't spend a lot of time complaining about the refs, but it kind of sucks when they they become the story, and we're talking about the refs and not not the players. You know, um, but I mean, you know, they were both they were they were great teams. It was a coin flip game, um, a lot of points. You know, it was definitely a, a fun viewing experience. And now we're going to go through some hits and misses. We we just did a a, a YouTube reaction show for, uh, on some hits and misses we're going to go through more hits and misses today
0: yeah the youtube show was more for fun the video guys surprised us with uh, we didn't know what was coming it's pretty funny if you check it out on youtube we didn't know what was coming and uh, they surprised us on this we're prepared and, and i think to talk about some more takeaways a couple of housekeeping notes here this podcast will continue free throughout the off season with anywhere from one to four episodes per week and people say oh you know adam what do you and Evan do in the off-season? I was like, buddy, there is no offseason. We have coaching changes, free agency, the NFL draft, NFL draft props. Then fantasy draft season is coming. Best ball tournaments for 2023 are already up. Our dynasty rookie rankings just went live. I mean, there's just so, so much to cover yeah. all year round. Also, for my fellow DFS grinders out there, the XFL starts Saturday. Yes, that's right. No rest for the weary. The XFL kicks off Saturday projections, top plays, live show, depth charts, all up and ready to rock on the site right now. And by the way, credit to DraftKings on the XFL stuff. It was a mess last year, but they put up big contests for week one and went with a four game slate instead of two, two game slates. So shout out to them. As I mentioned, best ball season literally never stops. Our friends at Underdog have already launched a tournament called the Big Board, which is a million dollar guaranteed tournament for the 2023 season that does include rookies our rankings for that are going up shortly either today or tomorrow it really is fun to just like fire at drafts you know if you don't have an underdog account yet and you just want to get into some of these drafts use promo code etr at underdogfantasy.com for a hundred dollar matching sign up bonus that's promo code etr at underdogfantasy.com i know there's a lot of debate about when the best time is to draft from an ev perspective i'd say two things first like you're gonna get values on guys that you will not be able to get and like we'll talk about some guys on this show you know Uh, We're not going to talk about him today, but like Saquon Barkley was a third round pick when best ball stuff opened last year, closes as a first round pick. That's the kind of stuff that you can really smash on when you draft early. The other thing I'd say about drafting all year round is you get an incredible feel Mm -hmm. for what everybody else is thinking, how players are moving, where guys are going, where they're going to go, where their closing value is going to be and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of value in that.
1: Even if you only do like five to 10 best ball drafts, like you're going to be you're going to out-prepare your opponents uh, when we get into the, the, the real stuff uh, late in late in the
0: summer. Yep. So again, shout out to our friends at underdogfantasy.com, promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. We'll get you that $100 matching sign-up bonus. Today's show is the first of a two-part series. We're going to go through our biggest hits and misses and honestly just try to learn from them, you know, like generate some takeaways going forward. This isn't about victory lapping or dunking on ourselves or whatever. Literally, I think it's important to try to learn because Even though Evan and I have been doing this for, God, I don't know, like 15 plus years now, I think it's always important to try to learn and and get better. And so that's what this show is about. On today's show, we're going to talk about our biggest hits and misses from the early rounds. Later this week, we'll discuss our biggest hits and misses from the later rounds. All right. Let's start at the top here. Uh, You know, I don't think this one takes a lot of explanation. Everybody is aware of this by now. Christian McCaffrey first, Jonathan Taylor fourth, I think was a hit for us. And this was seems like no brainer at the time. This was such a controversial take. You could not say mm-hmm. one word about Christian McCaffrey without people calling you insane for having him ahead of Jonathan Taylor. And I think one thing that we need to understand is this was all injury related. I think everybody agreed that if CMC and JT both stayed healthy, CMC was going to outscore JT for a lot of reasons, you know, uh, most notably of course is the pass game role, but also because Jonathan Taylor relied so much, On A, staying healthy, and B, touchdown rate, and like that stuff is really, really volatile, really, really hard to bake in. So, felt really good about the way that ran out. I just want to say that it doesn't mean CMC is not going to get hurt next year. The whole point is that he was no more likely to get hurt than any other workhorse running back. And so, you saw Jonathan Taylor, who hadn't missed a practice since freaking high school. He misses a ton of games. Christian McCaffrey plays in twenty games, doesn't miss any of them. So, I think that was pretty easy. Clear hit there, and the lesson I think most people listening to this I I hope understand: predicting injuries at the running back position is very, very difficult. And you want these three down plus going backs like CMC is JT, not really that. But still, I think JT underperformed a little bit, even when he was healthy, is what it is. Yeah, he's still gonna be a first round pick next year, I think. All right, let's get some more interesting stuff. Travis Kelsey was a guy that I was lukewarm on, you know, and, and. Obviously, I thought there was going to be a ton of volume, and, and that came to fruition. Travis Kelsey set a career high in targets. Yes, it was a 17-game season, predictably because Tyreek Hill was gone. What I think I didn't kind of see coming was Travis Kelsey outscoring nearly every other tight end. He outscored every other tight end by six fantasy points per game. Just so, so, so outrageously valuable. Evan was much higher on Travis Kelsey than I was. I went back and listened to some podcasts that we did in August and September to get ready for this. And Evan was pounding the table for Travis Kelsey. And I was like, yeah, I, I like it, but man, he's kind of old. And I think I can get something from a couple tight ends later in the middle rounds in the middle, early rounds that can be comparable. I was dead wrong on that. Evan, what are your thoughts on Travis Kelsey's season and kind of how the, it shaped the tight end and any lessons we can have from that?
1: I think that you summarized it really well. Um, it became very clear to me early in the process that you could stack Travis Kelsey With Patrick Mahomes, like really in a majority of your drafts, if you really wanted to, uh, because Patrick Mahomes, especially in FFPC, was going fourth. I would even give him in the fifth sometimes. And I loved uh, that start with Travis Kelsey at like 1.06 or 1.07, stacking him with Mahomes and had a lot of success doing that. Um, He's Patrick Mahomes' alpha receiver. You know, they actually they use him as an X receiver. He he really doesn't align like a t- like a tight end really like at all. They use their other tight ends uh, as actual tight ends, and it, it was really as simple as that. I, I you know I, I got a little bit of cold feet at times because of the age thing. Um, you know, at, at least that that was always in the back of my mind, the age model. But pounding that button was was very very profitable.
0: So Travis Kelsey will turn thirty four. In October, in early ADP, and early drafts, he's going like fourth and fifth overall. We'll talk more about that going forward, but I think the reason that that's happening is because the general fantasy community, and especially the sharp fantasy community, now understands how valuable it is to have a dominant tight end. just gives you such a big edge over everyone else. And that leads me to my next take, which was probably the worst take that I had all summer, was being high on Kyle Pitts. And my thought process was, Why do I need to spend a first-round pick on a 33-year-old Travis Kelsey when I can get this rising superstar in Kyle Pitts Mm. in the middle of the third round? Now, that turned out to be just the biggest disaster ever because in the third round, there's so much opportunity cost, and it caused me, when I took Kyle Pitts, not to take any other tight ends later. You know, I didn't come back with Dallas Goddard, who I liked, or Hawkinson, who I liked, or whoever else because I was like, I'm not going to spend more draft capital in the seventh, eighth, ninth round because I already have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had, like, I think, like Leonie said yesterday, like a first percentile outcome, like literally the worst possible outcome it could have gone through finishes tight end 22. They were so much more run heavy than I thought. And maybe I should have understood that better, but they were so much more run heavy than I thought was even capable of. They didn't even try to scheme Kyle Pitts open, which is absolutely insane to me to not scheme this guy the ball after using number four overall pick on him. And then there was a bunch of data like next-gen stat data and other underlying stats that showed Kyle Pitts wasn't really getting open that well. I don't know if that's on him or not. He's still a very young player. So I'm still kind of grappling with everything that happened at the tight end position, but God, you know, thinking that you could get the same thing from Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts that you would have gotten out of Travis Kelsey was like a disaster, disaster take. Evan, any thoughts on Pitts or Andrews or anything else from tight end that we could take going forward?
1: No, um, I don't have a whole lot to add. No, I mean, you
0: you, you summarized it very well. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the lesson for me is that it we don't want... have to be a lesson from every guy either. No, you know? I, I need to learn. I need to learn.
1: No, the... I mean, Mark Andrews was a good, really good pick on paper. A yeah. lot of you, were, I mean, a lot of people were really high on Kyle Pitts. Um, it just didn't happen, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think and. The Mar- I thought Mariota would be better than he was. I thought Arthur Smith mm-hmm. would be more balanced than he was. And, you know, it's just, and I thought Kyle Pitts was better than he was maybe. So, yeah, I, I think a lot there. But for me, like, my haste to get an elite tight end um, was well-founded, just chose the wrong guys, Pitts and Andrews. Let's get to a good early round call. I think Amon Ross St. Brown was one of the guys we talked about more than any other player all offseason, just had Amon Ra St. Brown on every single team ends up catching 106 balls in 16 games. I I think the knock on Amon Ra that people had on him was like, oh, well, when he went off at the end of his rookie year, no one else on Detroit was healthy, which was true. But you don't do what Amon Ra did over the final six games of the 2021 season without really being able to ball. And I think Evan's points really put me over the edge on Amon Ra, the chemistry with Jared Goff. So that was a lesson, I think, from both a projection standpoint and from like a tape bro standpoint to be a big hit there. Evan, any thoughts on the Amon Ra being all in on him?
1: While it was true that Amon Ra St. Brown went off late in the 2021 season, partially because of the attrition around him, it's also true that during that time we saw that he was really freaking good. Number one, and number two, Jared Goff built an actual mm-hmm. on-field rapport with him and it's just every single week double-digit targets over his last 22 games Amon Ra St. Brown is averaging almost 10 targets per game and over seven receptions
0: per game yeah just an absolute monster in PPR and and just to go back to the tape bro stuff I mean I I would have never thought of it because I'm not really a tape bro but Evan being like hey listen Jared Goff likes to throw where Amon Ra works Like, you know, that that makes a difference, I think. And so that's really what we're trying to do, like take the projection, take the math stuff at the highest level and also incorporate some of the tape bro stuff. So that was a really big win for us, I think, on Amon Ra. A loss in kind of that same range, actually an earlier range, is Mike Evans. And the systemic risk on the Bucks maybe we underrated. They had so many offensive line injuries. I guess I can't remember exactly when they started having offensive line injuries, but it was messy. Mike Evans ended up with only th- with only 3 touchdowns in his first 14 games of the year. Now he did go off in the biggest game of the year for fantasy mm-hmm. one pack career 2 million dollars, but before that, he was just a stone cold disaster. Evan, any thoughts? Yeah, it was a disaster. I mean on being high on Mike Evans. Tom Brady wasn't very
1: good. The offense took a massive step back. Um you know, uh he only Mike Evans only saw 14 red zone targets. I mean, he was like, I don't know, in the 20s or something. In terms of red zone target ranking, and, and uh, yeah. you know, my, my theory was like, no, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin was coming off a major knee injury. Mike Evans six touchdowns were his fewest since 2017. Um, just, and three and three of those were in week 17. Yeah, I mean, I, I just uh, a call that I, I liked the reasoning behind it, and it just did not work out.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we joke about the age model stuff. Obviously at some point Tom Brady was going to decline mm-hmm. and I thought he was still like average this year. But average. was not, not Tom Brady. Yeah. Not the Tom Brady that everybody expected and offensive line injuries had a lot to do that. I still think Mike Evans can really play though. And we'll see what happens with the bucks this off season. I call for me in that kind of similar range. God, every time I was at like the middle of the third round or so, and DJ Moore was there, I took DJ Moore. I, I took DJ Moore. And honestly, This one to me is simple. Like, I thought Baker would be an upgrade on everything Carolina had been doing for the last three years at quarterback. And he was not. I just flat out overestimated Baker Mayfield. He was so, so, so bad. It caused him to run so few plays. They had no offensive identity. One week, Matt Rule would say, oh, we want to be more run heavy. Then the next week he would say, oh, we got to be a passing offense. It was just an absolute mess. DJ Moore did come on a little bit late in the year Mm -hmm. with Sam Darnold. But like, those teams were already in trouble at that point. I don't know, man. I still think DJ Moore can play. To me, this is just like an overvaluation on an overvaluation on Baker Mayfield. Period. So yeah. Yeah.
1: The Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield kind of late in the process, and our think or like it was right before training camp. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and our thinking was like, oh, well, you know what, Baker Mayfield is going to just add some stability to the offense, and that raises the floor on DJ Moore because you worry about him because he can be volatile. That just straight up wasn't the case. It wound up being poor analysis. Um, I'm not worried about DJ Moore in the slightest. I think he's an absolute baller. Yeah. Actually, I mean, he'd be a great like dynasty buy right now.
0: Yeah. Some of the fades I want to talk about that we made, and our fades this year were awesome. I mean, and I want to be clear, it's easier to hit fades because like in the aggregate, more NFL players fail than hit due to injury and timeshares and all this other stuff. So it's easier to be right on fades. But I listened back to our fades podcast, which you can find uh, in August on this podcast feed, our wide receiver fades, or at least mine uh, that I talked about on there, were Michael Thomas, Debo Samuel, and Deontay Johnson. You know, uh, the big one for me was Debo. I had so many props on Debo unders; it was out of control. I had zero Debo in best buy, zero Debo, Debo in season long, and all of this stemmed from the same thing: regression on just outrageous yak, mm-hmm. regression on outrageous touchdown rate, regression on outrageous yards per catch, despite having this tiny tiny a dot it's just unless you're like the biggest freak in the history of the nfl it's really hard to do what debo samuel did in the 2021 season i couldn't believe he was going in round two and actually taylor Mm -hmm. uh was like bro you got to stop with these with these debo takes you know he's gonna shove it down your throat i said no no buddy no no i'm sticking (laughs) with the anti-debo takes." taylor does not miss very often yeah and and debo uh, was hurt a lot. And so I don't want to like victory lap on him getting hurt. Although I think when you play a lot of running back and you play the way Debo plays, which yeah. is so physical. He used to get, to get hurt all the time in yeah. college. I don't really want to victory lap on that. But even when he was healthy, he was not that good this year. And it just, It's just really hard to do what Debo did in the 2021. In 2021,
1: he led the NFL in yards per reception.
0: Okay, While, while being like and, dead last in guy yeah.
1: And he scored eight rushing touchdowns on 51 carries. <laughs> they, I, honestly, this was an easy one. It should have been. an easy one.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't want to victory without the Michael Thomas one because he did get hurt. But I think one thing that you have to understand or or we can glean from that. Is whoa, that whoa. You...
1: But he had ongoing, really problematic yeah. like ankle and leg stuff. I mean, and that,
0: and that was part of it. This but
1: This is like ruining his career. For sure. Yeah.
0: And, and, and that was certainly part of it. You know, he's had a lot. He hasn't played football in two years and people were all excited about him. That said, when you lose Drew Brees, the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL, you could argue and then you bring in guys like you know, Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill and Jameis, you're not going to be as efficient as you once were. The way Michael Thomas wins is through these little slants and stuff that was so accurate, you know, and and Drew Brees made a big difference there. And losing Sean Payton, I think, Mm -hmm. makes a big difference too. And those all came to fruition, I think, in the Saints offense. We'll talk more about Sean Payton when we get to the Coaching Change podcast. Deontay Johnson won. God, you know. It's hard to be as bad in yards per target as Deontay Johnson is. He's good at earning targets. He's bad at turning them in to anything. I don't know, Evan. Do you think at this point it's like a player thing or a scheme thing? Because their scheme was bad, I don't, and their quarterback play was bad. Yeah. But, God, Deontay Johnson's like dead last in yards per target, like embarrassingly bad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what to think about him at this point, but that would turned out to be a pretty good fade also.
1: We had Matt Harmon on, and, you know, he studies it, you know, wide receivers as in-depth as anyone – and he thinks that Deontay Johnson is a, like an underutilized player. I wound up having him uh, on the shy away mm-hmm. list. And I mean, I, I just wrote like, won't come close to last year's 169 targets. Um, he did wind up with a good amount of targets, but um, the, the quarterback play really wasn't any kind of an upgrade over short pass machine Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we expected a, a significant reduction in the Steelers as a team, pass attempts a more widespread target allocation I was worried that George Pickens could come in and be uh like more talented right away that didn't really happen but I mean George Pickens w- was a, a prominent part of their offense and then there was you know the the possibility of in-season quarterback controversy involving trubisky and Pickett and yeah. that of of course happened there was a rumor that deontay Johnson punched Tri- trubisky in the in I the saw face. That. I saw that but uh that has I think trubisky denied that
0: mm-hmm. yeah Interesting stuff out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to a few running backs. So probably my biggest early round miss at running back was DeAndre Swift. And, um, I, you know, I was really high in the Lions, obviously, and that led me to be on Amon Ra. I was on DJ Chark. You know, uh, I, I really liked the Lions stuff. But using a second round pick on DeAndre Swift, the opportunity cost was so massive. It hurt a lot. And I actually thought DeAndre Swift, when he was out there, played pretty well. The it only And I expected mm-hmm. Jamal Williams to play. We knew that coming into the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was on Jamal Williams. Like, we, we knew that coming into the year. I, that was not a surprise. What was a surprise to me was that they used a third running back in every game this year so much and it absolutely crushed mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift. And that was the most frustrating part for me. I just did not think that was in the range of outcomes for them to be like, oh, DeAndre Swift's going to lose touches and snaps to freaking Justin Jackson. I did not think that was in the range of mm-hmm. outcomes. And maybe that was a mistake. I think from a process standpoint, DeAndre Swift was still a really good pick. But, man, God, it was a mess. Any thoughts on DeAndre Swift? I just think based
1: on the way that the Lions coaching staff handled him, they think he's fragile. Um, If you would have told us at the beginning of the season that the Lions were going to – and we were high on the Lions, uh, especially from an offensive standpoint, I think they probably exceeded our expectation because they finished number five in the NFL in scoring. Mm -hmm. If you would have told us before the season – that the Lions are going to finish number five in in the NFL in scoring, and we can draft DeAndre. We would, I mean, we would have been taking him in the first round, definitely. You definitely. know, um it, it's just the, the the situation, and the way that they used him was just not conducive to him being a consistent fantasy contributor.
0: So I thought he'd have the Austin Eckler role, and like Evan was mm-hmm. super high on Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler ended up absolutely smashing. And Austin Eckler doesn't get every carry. He doesn't get every goal line mm-hmm. carry. You know, he he doesn't get every base carry. I thought they'd use DeAndre Swift. In that role, they didn't. I, I don't think it's only because they think he's fragile. I actually think they, like, have an issue with the way he runs. Uh, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, like, the tape rows probably can say it better. But, you know, something about the way he runs, they don't love it um, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Run- running back fades are the easiest to hit, right? Because, like, most running backs get hurt or fail or get end up in a timeshare whatever. But Evan was on fire with running back fades. Kim Akers was, like, borderline out of the league, I thought, at one point. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris was once again, like one of the easiest phase yep. that you can make, I think. And then I was actually on JK Dobbins like early, like June. But then once we started getting these negative reports and he was being all defensive on Twitter, I was just out on JK Dobbins as a guy who doesn't catch passes um, coming off of such a serious knee injury. So those were some really good fades. Any thoughts on those, Evan? Najee, Akers, Dobbins.
1: Najee was an easy one, I thought. Um, his targets went from 94 in 2021 to 53 last year. Mm-hmm. That was just easy to see and and coming, I thought. And then, because just because the Steelers weren't were going to throw less as a team, um, and his he has a complete lack of big playability. Uh, in 2021, he had 307 carries, okay, as a rookie. Four of them went for 20-plus yards. He, he, he didn't do this in, in college either. He didn't break big runs. He actually broke a couple uh very, very late in the, mm-hmm. uh, the 2022 season. But he's not a big play runner. His target volume was going to plummet. Um And, like, we were worried about the team not being very good. They wound up being, like, kind of average at the end. We were worried about their offensive line. Like, they're, mm-hmm. gonna, they're not going to create op- uh, open lanes for this guy who can't hit big plays. He was an easy fade because people, people love taking him, like, an, even in the first round. Um,
0: yeah and, and yeah. It, 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 to me Najee is like a poster boy of volume at the running back position isn't everything when you lack talent explosive talent like Evan said when you have mm-hmm. offensive line issues when you have os- offensive systemic risk and going from Ben Roethlisberger like Evan mentioned to whoever they were going to play a quarterback you know Trubisky or Pickett or whatever they're obviously going to run the ball a ton ton more and mm-hmm. targets are worth way more but anyways yeah go ahead Evan I don't
1: have anything else to add. We talked about Cam Akers pretty extensively on the uh, the YouTube yeah. video. Um,
0: did you mention Damian Pierce? I didn't. I actually moved Damian Pierce to the later rounds one because when we started okay. talking about him, he was going in the later rounds. Yep. And then he, he ended up going like the fifth round. But let's talk, save him for next episode. Okay, that's fine. And, and yeah, the Cam Akers one, you know, it's easy to say now that everybody knew the Rams were going to be terrible. Like they were coming off a Super Bowl win. People were like, oh, I'll get Cam Akers starting running back for the Super Bowl champions, he's going to smash, you know, just a mess. And I think the Rams clearly don't like him. Last two I have here were two bad wide receiver takes that we had. First one is me on Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I took Juju Smith-Schuster a ton. I was really high on Juju. I, you know, if you told me a 25-year-old Juju Smith-Schuster was going to get 101 targets from Patrick Mahomes, I'd be like, yeah, you know, sixth round. I think that's, that's an awesome pick. Maybe he's just not that good. And by the way, 101 targets for Mahomes was only roughly a 15% target share. He was not that good at earning targets. And also, when you only have a 15% target share and your ADOT's only 7.1 yards, that's a really, really bad combo because you're getting passes so close to the line of scrimmage. You need more targets to make up for that. You're not making any big plays down the field. So, you know, he finished 78-9, 33-3, but he never felt like a guy that was going to win you a week Mm -hmm. or like pop off. He had one or two good games, but... I think we have concerns at this point just about Juju's talent level, yeah. period. Any thoughts on him, Evan? I think he's just a
1: role player. You know, Travis Kelsey is the featured component of the Kansas City passing offense, and they got a bunch of role players around him. Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, he led all the Chiefs wide receivers in production, snaps, everything like that, but he's just a, a like the wide receivers, obviously. Kelsey yeah. was way out in front, but
0: Juju Smith-Schuster, I just think he's a role player. yeah. Yeah, and if you can't do it with Patrick Mahomes like and, and like very little target competition at the wide receiver position, you're probably not going to do it. And I hate to write him off at this point, but yeah, it, it's it's not great. Last one here uh was a miss by Evan, I think was in on Brandon Cooks in like the 5th, 6th round or so. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is a good player, but this Texans team was a mess. At one point it felt like he was so pissed around the trade deadline, he wanted to like quit or like he borderline yeah.
1: I felt like right. he did, like he yeah. just sat out a few weeks because he didn't want to play for the Texans.
0: Yeah, he's pissed, and their front office might be like one of the worst in the entire NFL. He was pissed for sure. Any thoughts on Brandon Cook's looking back here, Evan? I just wrote, calf strain cost him three games,
1: and it seemed like he quit on the team.
0: Yeah, and and the thing about, you know, we don't want to be overconfident in our takes about how good teams are going to be, mm-hmm. but I think everybody was pretty sure That the Texans were going to be really bad, and like even though a wide receiver is fine because you're going to see elevated target volume, they just didn't like get enough plays off. They were so bad, they were not getting plays off. They couldn't string together first downs. They didn't score touchdowns, and so you know it's hard. I I think it's hard when you're on one of those really, 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 really bad teams. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Before we get out of here, for my fellow prop grinders out there, I just want to mention NBA team just continues to absolutely crush. It's so insane what Dink and Mark and Gallagher and Claff and everyone on the Hoops team is doing. They're now 497 and 321 on the season. So many bets for a 14.22% ROI, just absolutely wild in the NBA prop streets. Don't dive in there if you're not really up for grinding it, but man, just had to give a shout out to those guys. We'll be back later this week to go through some of our later round hits and misses, try to learn something there. For Evan, for Luke, I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody.